Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Investor Frame podcast. I'm your host, Paul Sparks. And on this show, we ask successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs to share their stories so we can all learn from their experiences and get closer to the things that we want in life. Today, I have a fantastic guest, David Richter. David is the owner and founder of Simple CFO Solutions. Uh, he is an author of the book Profit First for Real Estate Investing, and he's an active real estate investor. He's done this himself for a very long time. Now he spends a lot of his time helping real estate investors and entrepreneurs get closer to the things that they want and keep more of the money that they make. Welcome in, David. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, thanks, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm happy to keep spreading the message. Yeah, man. Um, so we always start this show off with uh, a six-word update. So what is your six-word update today? So I would say travel, speaking, family, growth all around. <laughs> so those are my six words. Love it. Tell us more about that. I'm traveling a lot, uh, speaking a lot because of the Profit First book that I wrote, Profit First for Real Estate Investing. I love spending time with family when I'm actually here in town with them, uh, being very intentional with that. Then I feel like there's just been a lot of growth in all areas in the business, just as a family as well too, in the marriage relationship. I have a six-year-old daughter who's a ton of fun to be around right now, and like I love being with her. So just stuff like that, that uh, reading and growing and just always trying to get better. So that's what came to my mind. First off, for the six-word update. Love it. Yeah, that's a tough balance. Uh, someone, you know, I spent, before I got into real estate, and that's actually part of why I got into real estate is because I was traveling to two cities a week for about four years. And then four years before that, it was one city a week. So it was like, all I knew was travel. I was always on a plane. Um, and I know, I know a lot about trying to balance certain things like that, right? Growing your business, um, making sure you spend time with the people that you love um, and allocating resources appropriately becomes very important when you're trying to do all these things. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's a, it's a huge priority because it's like, you've got two things that, you know, like the man that said duties, never conflict, never did anything. Right. And it's like, you've got the one side that really does matter. Like if I had to drop everything, I would drop the travel and the speaking you know, like to save the relationship with my family. Thankfully, I've got a great wife and a great daughter who sat down and was intentional about talking to them about this stuff. Like I knew with the book launch and the end of 2021 that there would be speaking opportunities that, and last year was nuts. I think it was like 40 in-person, you know, travel speaking events. And then, you know, a bunch of virtual ones, which are nice because I could do that right here from my office at home. But that's where just being very intentional of talking about this is what's going to happen. Are you okay with this? And then getting the buy-in, you know, before it all happens, instead of like, I'm doing this for you, you know, and for the family where I was just at an event where a guy put it great, where a lot of people think, you know, they say, oh, I'm doing it for you. And when you're really doing it to them and it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's not for them. It's, to them. So uh, it's just being very intentional, setting the expectations and being okay if they're not okay with it. I mean, if you chose that person to be your life partner, if you've got a son or daughter or someone that's very special in your life, you got to make sure that they're they're going to be the ones when you're 60 years old that are going to be huddled around you and like they're the ones that you want there. So mm. I just keep that in mind, you know, even as a 31-year-old guy like okay, what is really important? So yeah, it's it's definitely it's not really even a balancing act. It's more of the, okay, is it okay to do this at this time? Or is, should I say no to a certain event because there's something going on? You know, like right after this, my daughter has 
dance. I'm going to go to her dance studio and like watch her dance there and then come back at a little later and do a speaking, you know, virtual speaking thing later tonight. But I want to make sure that she knows dad's there and dad cares while, especially while he's in town. Mm. I mean, every decision that we make theoretically has an infinite number of trade-offs, right? You decide to get on that flight and fly somewhere. Well, there's theoretically an infinite number of things you could have been doing with that time. Uh, Same thing, vice versa, right? When you make time to go to your kids' sports and events and all these types of things, well, there's an infinite number of things you could be doing, you know, outside of that. And entrepreneurs, I, I feel like are, you know, faced with this, trade-off constantly, constantly trying to evaluate, you know, and I tell this story sometimes on the show of the entrepreneur who says, well, I want to make $10 million by the time I'm 40 so that I can spend, you know, all of my time with my family. And then of course, you know, we make all these excuses the whole time. Well, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. But then you get to 40 and yeah, maybe you make that $10 million, but your, your wife's divorcing you. Your kids haven't seen you in years. You're out of, you know, you're out of shape. You're overweight. You got a drinking problem, but we're going to make sure we get that $10 million. Right. Yeah, exactly. It was never about the, the relationship with them. It was about the, the acquiring of that, that status, which it's like, that's because people think they trick themselves into that thought process. And it's like, well, and at 40 years old, I'm going to have what, how old am I right now? And how old is she? I'm going to have a 16 year old daughter. You know, and it's like at 16, she's going to get ready to be going to college and out of the out of the house. Like, I want to have a relationship, especially now at this age. Oh, my gosh. Like, this is the best years, I feel like, right now where she still likes me you know, mm. and still wants to play with me, wants me to come to these events, wants to wave at me while she's in front of her friends. It's like, this is the time where it's, you know what, if I don't go to every event or if I don't do all this stuff, it's like, that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. and like you said, I have to be okay with that trade off. And honestly, in the long run, I think I'll, I don't think I'll look back and say, man, I wish I would have worked more. You know, I'm going to be like, man, I wish I would have gone to more of her type of stuff or been there more for her, if anything. Yeah. You know, and I'm curious to get your opinion. We, uh, we have a phrase that we call a timer and it's this acronym we use to define all of the different, well, there's probably more, but a lot of the currencies quote that we trade um, so A stands for attention. Uh, I believe it's Larry Yatch who says that that's the, 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 what does he say? The most valuable currency. I heard him say that at one of the right. events, right? You have time, you have impact or influence, you know, on people, of course, money, you have energy or effort that you have to put in. And then you, maybe you have like relationships, yeah. right? And every time you trade one thing, you're getting either, you, you have to trade one to get more of the other. Right. And I found that that little framework was really helpful to say, well, if I'm trading my time for this, what am I getting in return? Am I getting more relationships? Am I getting more money? You know, how much effort do I have to put in to make the impact that I'm trying to make? Right. And there's all these little trade offs with all these different currencies that we have to consider. What's uh, what's your thought on that? Well, (laughs) my thought immediately goes to the like, let's go even a step higher than that in order for that to all work. 
you need to make sure that your focus is in the right place. So I would say the attention is the most important currency. So it's like, what do I, what am I focusing on? Because if I'm focusing on what's really important to my life as a whole versus I just need the $10 million or I need this, you know, these specific things. And this is what I'm willing to trade. It's more about what, why am I here? Like, why am I here on this earth and what is the one goal that I'm going after and like making sure that this is where I'm headed. So that way, all those things, as I make the trade-offs, you're okay with it. It's like, that's the biggest part that I think a lot of people just struggle in life is that they don't accept the choices that they're making because they have no goals or no destination that they're really trying to get to. So they don't enjoy the journey. Because yeah. the journey is like Alice in Wonderland, like when she's talking to the Cheshire cat, like right. he, he's like, which way do you want to go? I don't really know. Well, then it doesn't matter which way you take, you know, like you're going to get there anyway because you're not headed in any direction. It's like that's where we have to give that attention. But I like that framework. And I think it's almost like, can you lift yourself out of it a little bit? And even at the higher level of what is that? Okay, that's a great framework. But what, how do I even need to set this up? Because it's going to be different for every single human being because my relationships and my, you know, like that I've set are not going to be the exact same as anyone else's. Like my mm -hmm. relationship with my wife is different, even though you might have a wife and a six-year-old daughter, like the same exact scenario, you don't have the same exact people. So yeah. those different, those are going to be different for everyone. So it's like understanding how that framework works, but also the destination that you even want to get to before that. So you enjoy it while you're there. That's why I like right now, I'm trying to enjoy everything, even the travel, even though like I don't love travel. It's like, I'm still trying to enjoy being there and helping people. And I like spreading the profit first message and all that stuff. It's like, I want to make sure I'm enjoying it there. So that's what, there's my thoughts on the, the A-timer. Yeah. I mean, you have pretty much dedicated your life, I would say at this point to helping people get that level of clarity. You're talking about zooming out. So what we call that in our community is the solvable problem. And the the big, I would say a, a big cornerstone of the solvable problem is you've got to play your game. Nobody has the same situation, right? We all have, even if you, like you said, even if we had a wife and a six-year-old daughter, well, our preferences are different. The currencies that we're willing to trade are different. Mm -hmm. So again, what we do is we call that the solvable problem. And I know that you spend, like I said, a lot of your time helping entrepreneurs get clarity on that first, because otherwise you're the Cheshire cat. And it really doesn't matter which way you go. If you're just optimizing for more, well, <laughs> more is an endless direction. There's no direction to that. It's just like, you know, it's just aimless. And so, but I want to, I want to hear more about your solvable problem and your, uh, what clarity looks like for you. Obviously, like I said, I know you help a ton of people get clarity on that, but what does your personal solvable problem look like? Man, my personal solvable problem, it probably hit me last year when I was reading Crucial Conversations. It's mm. a great book. Yeah. And chapter 10 is all about retaking your pen. And what that stands for is like your pen is your <laughs> your pen is your self-worth. When you're born, you're writing your story. You know, you're scribbling all over the place. My six-year-old daughter has her pen grasped firmly in her hand. She knows her worth at this age. And like as but as she grows and as I grew into a teenager and junior high, high school, we let other people dictate how we feel and how we act and how we think. And then we give them our pen and they're writing our story and we feel crappy. And I feel like my solvable problem was I was a people pleaser for so long that I had to make sure that I took back my pen 
and honestly helped a lot of people with taking their solvable problem and getting to their solvable problem, just like you were saying, getting that clarity around what is it and that knowing that I had the worth to be able to help people and that I could bring value to them and that I could help them walk through that because we help a lot of people on the financial end of their business, like just get clarity around the finances and help them know exactly where they stand because that's a lot of people's first domino to even get to their solvable problem. Because you could have all the good stuff in the world, but if you like, if you're thinking about money too much and obsessing about it, then everything else gets put by the wayside. You're thinking about, shoot, if you're a real estate investor, is that deal going to close? Am I going to be able to get that money in? If it doesn't close, where's payroll going to come from? Where's it's like you just get the uptight shoulders. So that's where I had to work through a lot of the my solvable problem was like, okay. I know that I have the worth to be able to go out there and teach because I never thought like if you know me personally, I'm very much an introvert. I do not like being in crowds. The stage like five, 10 years ago would have frightened me to death, you know, and, and now I'm going out there speaking a ton because I know that I have this message that the message is more important than how I feel. The message is going out there and making sure that, you know what, the worth that I can bring is this message and I'm the bearer and bringing it, you know, to this community because I have the background in real estate and the financial world. So it's like, I want to be able to do that. So I think for me, reading that book really like rang my core value bell last year of like, this is what I need to work on that self-worth portion and really making sure that I can, I can also, if other people are struggling with that knock down that domino as well too to get to their solvable problem and have them clear that path to a much more fulfilled life that's why now i try and to enjoy the stuff that's happening you know on a day-to-day -day basis versus you know like okay that 10 million like, i love that you use that 10 million dollar goal in the future it's like that's what everyone has they have that it's more the more stuff like more and more where they don't really have not even just a concrete goal but a goal that, that are you going to be happy with it along the way, even though you might lose the people in your life? So I think that was my solvable problem to help other people get to their solvable problem as well, too. Mm. Yep. I had a feeling that was the case. And I'm a recovering people pleaser myself, right? Um, that's just, it's, it's, uh, I feel like it has a lot to do with our hardwiring as human beings, right? Like a lot of us are just hardwired towards that. Yes. Um, and then throw in, okay, I just I'll you know bear it all. I have a Christian background, so everyone and and in a lot of churches, it's like put everyone before yourself. You know that's what Jesus did. He was a servant leader, and it's like yes, but at the same time, he went to the mountain to pray and got refueled himself too, and like still did the things to to give you a balanced life. So it's like you shouldn't just always just think of others all the time and like d totally neglect yourself and just live your life to please others as well. So that was a big thing for me. Even though faith is like the cornerstone of who I am as a person, there were some damaging things that came from it too as well. So I still am a person of faith. I still have my belief. I still have all of that. But then there's some things that just were put into me where I'm like, I have to take I have to take that out and be like, okay, it's okay for me to spend time with my family and not to be constantly thinking about the work or these other things or like the th or going to help at church or going to help over here and traveling and like that it's like it's okay to take those times to be that that was something i had to work through and that's yeah. you know that through a background like that and that's that could be for any type of background where where maybe you had parents 
around money that said money doesn't grow on trees or no, we can't afford that. They might have given you limiting beliefs like that. And it's like then you attach your worth to the money because they're like, no, we can't do this. It's like all this different hangups that we get from growing up that we don't get to work through until until we, we see the light at some point until we mm-hmm. realize, you know what? Maybe everything I learned even well, it was, wasn't the greatest. And some people, it's very obvious with their backgrounds and like where they came from. And so they come through and they plow through it and they're able to get through it faster. And some people, it might be like, hey, I had a good life growing up. You know, like I don't have a lot to work through. And that, those, those are, that was honestly my case. I thought I had great parents. I thought this was going to, you know, like everything was good. And it's like I still had some things to work through. So it was my own ego in the way that mm. I had to get past. And like the ego, which was stopping me from helping the, as many people as I could and still had struggling with the self-worth as well, too. It's just all those things catapulting, you know, and snowballing into into one giant thing where it's like once I removed that, I felt like that's why I said growth all around as part of the, you know, the, up, you know, the six word update, because it is it's been a journey of growing in so many different areas because once you unlock that i feel like you're able to grow and like spread those branches out a whole lot more and help and help like you were intended to do by being put on this earth like to help those yourself and the other people that you're around as well too yeah well i like a couple of things that you said one is that We've got to define what success actually means. That's what the solvable problem is, is, you know, if you're just solving for, let's go see how much money I can make to infinity, right? Okay, well, if that's what you're solving for, you have not no judgment, like no judgment. If that's what you want to do, no judgment here. But you have to recognize that there's trade-offs, first of all. Right, yeah. And, and if that's what you're optimizing for, it might mean that your relationships are going to suffer. It might mean that your effort is also going to be maxed out. It might mean that you have no time to pursue anything else. If you're okay with all of these things, again, no judgment. It just starts with clarity. Get clear on what you're willing to trade, what you're not willing to trade. And then the second thing that you said that we sort of talked about is everyone uh, that I've noticed that has had success in entrepreneurship or business in general has had this like moment of reckoning where they've now identified the the biases that they carry, right? In 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 our case, it's you know we're we're people pleasers, and we have to sort of instead of trying to maybe um, <clears throat> build a system or a business that assumes that that's not going to be the case, how about we now build a, a business or a system that accounts for the biases that we have that are oftentimes hardwired into the system. You know, it's really hard to update your hardware, let's say, much, much, much easier to update your software. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, that's really good. Good And so, you know, when I think of, I guess I'm curious what you think of when you think of software, because that's what it is. Like, our hardwiring is, I don't know if you've ever read, um, I forget what the name of the book is, but Daniel Kahneman talks about system one versus system two brain. The system one brain is the the fight or flight survival side of our brain, right? And it's, it's this, um, it, it's a reactionary side of our brain, right? You're going to... F- certain anxieties, you're going to feel certain things, right? But but what we need to do is we need to move that decision-making into the logical side of our brain he calls system two. And this idea that you can, you can update your software, which is the system two brain, you can't really update your hardware. Um, 
And part of the software is how I think of profit first, right? It's like defining the rules ahead of time, just like a, a computer has a software that it runs. The hardware is the wires and the metal and the plastic and the tubes and all these things. But it means nothing if it doesn't have a set of rules that it yeah. follows, right? And, and that's, again, how I think of profit first. It's like, let's make this simple so that we have rules that have to be followed so that we don't let our hardware and our biases force us to just, you know, money comes in, we spend a bunch of money, and then we have no idea how much we're keeping. Well, that's probably because you're, you're facing a lot of biases yeah. towards, well, I have to keep up with all these people. I want to make more money. And you think that more is going to solve your problem. So anyways, what's your thoughts on the software and how you are using Profit First to sort of download that into people? Well, and that's what I love about being a human, because once you get a system like that in place, your hardware can start to change, too, you know, or your hardware. And that's exactly. where it's like, OK, if I can get the software inside where it's a simple system. That's what Profit First is. That's where it, a lot of people have heard the message of Profit First before, even if you've never read the book. Because if you're an entrepreneur, you've probably read or heard, you know, out there like pay yourself first or a portion of all I have is mine to keep or like, you know, may, like things like that. Those statements inside the books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad or Richest Man in Babylon, you know, like different books that are just appeal to the masses. And that's where a lot of people listen to those messages and say that sounds good but there's no system there is no software behind it you know to be able to say how do i actually do that that's where i felt like profit first filled that gap of it's software that you can download into your into your brain but it's also something that you can put inside of your business you and mm -hmm. also your personal life as well too it is yeah. literally the, like the dave ramsey envelope method you know, like, but for business, it's giving every dollar a name that comes into your business and it's putting bank, you know, banks instead of envelopes. So bank accounts set up with intentionality, with a purpose, with a name. So that way you can know where every dollar is going. Because like you said, a lot of people, when they come and they have a business, they think that more income solves every single issue, but then they get to six figures and they're like, oh, I'm making six figures. This is awesome. Then, you know, then mid six figures, and they're like, okay, why isn't this getting any better? We're at seven figures now. What the heck is happening? Like, why am I spending 1.1 million and making a million? Like, this yeah. doesn't make any sense, you know? So that's where a lot of people, but you know why? It's because what we were talking about, it's their hardware is wired for, you know, the bad habits that they have from either childhood or from a lack of education that we don't get anywhere in especially a school or wherever of financial literacy and financial education of knowing where the dollar should go. Sure, mm -hmm. you might learn how to write a check in school like back in the day or you might learn about some of this those types of things, but then you don't learn about, okay, a deal closes, what do I do with the money? You know, like yeah. that's one of the biggest <laughs> things, questions we get asked. It's like, okay, we just close this deal. What do we do with it? And that's where a lot of people have the, so you know, there's a lot of softwares out there, like how to do a deal and how to close the deal. And like, well, here we go. This is how, and I love those because a lot of people have taken that. And if they're hard workers, they put in the work and they do it step by step and they close the deals. But then that's where the training stops. That's where their software stops. And it's like, you need another set of software that's making the money, but you also need software for keeping the money too. And like yeah. knowing where every dollar is going, that's where I feel like Profit First bridges that gap of, okay, 
especially in the real estate world, I'm going to have cash flow issues. Like I know the property's not always going to close when the closing date is set. <laughs> the buyer's going to go buy a truck the night before and screw up their credit or like the wholesaler is going to back out or like they really didn't have it under contract or like the rental and the tenant and everything's blowing apart. So that's where stuff like that is just going to happen. But it happens in every business. Every business has their version of that. And exactly. that's where I feel like Profit First comes in to say, here's software where even though you might have all these bad habits in the past, this is going to help you uncover those bad habits. And it's also going to give you a, a software to make sure that you don't have to shut down your yeah. business or have to shut down completely. It's like giving you a simple system to track the money. But then I what I love about this software is that it slowly changes the hardware too of like, okay, now I understand why I need profitability and why I need to see it in a bank account versus just like one big bank account where everything goes in and out. And I have no idea if that's my profit or if that's for the IRS or if that's to grow the company or if that's for payroll or taxes or whatever. So it's like, that's where having a simple system like that, I, I love the analogy of software and hardware there because it's like that's a software that you can implement that's pretty simple for the entrepreneur to be able to because I'm a, I'm a very simple person. So it's like that's what appealed to me about it at the beginning as a real estate investor was the simplicity of it. And then it helped me. It helped me personally with some of the bad hardware I had around money, around habits around money, around the thinking around, you know, and the philosophies and the different thought patterns, like all that stuff. So that's where I love I love that analogy because it is. You can implement a software like Profit First and and if you're not keeping the money that you want to be keeping, you can do something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm an engineer, so I, I just think of it as like, if this happens, then do this. Right. Yeah. Else do this, right? Yeah. And we just... We need these rules. We have to have rules. Um, another thought that I had as you were sort of explaining that is when I read Profit First, and I never got this education, right? I never had this <laughs> level of education. It was, yeah. it was never provided for me. Exactly. But when I read the book, I was like, oh, well, that all makes sense. It's right. not like it's not intuitive. It's fairly, I wouldn't even say, I would go as far as to say it's obvious in certain cases, right? It's fairly agree. obvious we should agree. be doing it's these like, things. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Reading, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. But that's not the problem. The problem yeah. isn't that we need, we don't need to be, um, there's a gap between action and intention. Right. So I get that you might, you might understand these things, Paul, you probably understand these <laughs> things. Okay. But how big is the gap between, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Between what you're actually doing on a daily basis. And again, that's just our hardware playing tricks on us. We're sitting here saying, oh, yeah, I got that. That yeah. makes sense. That's so obvious. I just, I'll probably just do it. But again, there's a big gap between, yeah, I get that you understand it. Your intention is probably to do these things. But are your actions actually in line with your intention? And that's how I think of what this does is it just closes that gap between action and intention. I would 100% agree because most people, that's why I said at the beginning, most people have heard a message like this and it makes sense. Like, okay, I should, you know, I should pay myself first. I should make sure that I'm healthy and like that the business is healthy, like that my for-profit business is actually profitable. Like that yeah. makes a lot of logical sense, but nobody puts that two and two together because they're scared of the finances because we've made it so many 
bookkeepers, CPAs, accountants have made it so nebulous and out there. Like this is something that only we can do. And like, you have to be this super smart book nerd, you know, to be, you know, a financial wizard. And it's like, well, okay. Yeah. To do your job, but not to go in there and know where every dollar is going. I don't need to have that degree. I don't need to take those accounting courses. I just need to know where my money's going. And I could put a system like this in place and it bridges that gap. And that's where, that's why I like, <laughs> that's why I also like traveling and speaking because it's like just bringing that message of hope. Like you don't have to stay. If you're stuck in the, like, if you traded your W-2 paycheck to paycheck and you became a real estate investor or like what, an entrepreneur, and now you're living deal to deal or sale to sale, you know, or month to month. It's like, that's where this, I feel like helps people get out of that cycle, that cycle of that deal to deal cycle or that week to week, month to month of like, let's get out of this and like know where those dollars are going. So I do, it's definitely the intentionality and actually like this is where this creates a system that takes all those things we've heard from other books and makes them an actual in, in practice. So I can pay myself and I can be profitable instead of running an accidental non-profit yeah. business like a lot of people do. Got to set rules. Um, I have so many things. I, we probably should have done a two-hour podcast. We don't have time for all that. But uh, <laughs> there's a couple things I want to throw at you. Yeah. One is something I call the high-month paradigm. Oh, it's actually my, my business partner, Dan, calls it the high month paradigm. So it's this idea, right? You work with a lot of CG Select people, I'm sure, and CG, CG Premier, Premier people. Yes, and there's this like ascension as if, you know, there's this natural like draw towards, well, you want to get to that to that next level, yeah. um, which, is a, which is a function of comparison and all the things, right? We're not playing our game. We're comparing ourselves to other people, but that's yeah. a different conversation. But what happens is, this would happen to me, is I was a six-figure business owner. And then we went out and we had a month where we were like, we hit 100K in a month. And it was like, ooh, Boom. I guess... I guess I'm a seven-figure business owner now. <laughs> right. At this run rate, I guess I must be a seven-figure business owner. So what we, what I did is I sort of took on that identity and started making decisions as if I was a seven-figure business owner. And what happened was all the money that came in just went right out the door. I didn't keep a dime of it, right? It was all in the, in, you know, in this in the interest of just growing. Why? Because other people had that level of a business. I don't really know why I wanted it. It's more like the, it's like the kid who sees someone else, play, another, another kid playing with their toy. And it was like, I wasn't even playing with that toy, but now all of a sudden I see they're playing with it and I want it. Right? <laughs> right. So why do we struggle? Why do entrepreneurs struggle so much with this high watermark and then now all of a sudden they, they've like acquired this identity that they so desire and they do everything they can to adjust to that new identity where really all you had was one good month, right? We don't really have the data to support that you're a seven figure business owner, but your hardware is telling you that you are. Yeah. So that analogy of the pen comes in here, you know, so like someone else is holding their pen, their self-worth and writing their story at that point. And so instead of the school kids, you know, then in high school that you were like, okay, like I need, what do I need to act like so I could be like them? It's just a different version of that. 
So now you're going to whatever mastermind. It's not even CG. It's like just you could listen, be listening to Facebook, you know, Instagram, like just the gurus out there that are spending millions and billions of dollars to pump in the message of like more and more and more hustle, hustle, <laughs> hustle all the time. And it's like you're just going to always be comparing yourself to that next level. And once you like get a glimpse of it and taste like boom, I'm there, then you make all the decisions based around that new level and you're like oh shoot why am i not keeping as much or like why didn't becoming this seven figure business owner why is it not chalked up to what you know what i thought it would be you know like why isn't it this and then you're like i didn't keep any money well it's because we weren't ready for that or even if we were, we made decisions that we didn't have the clarity around to make decisions financially or we didn't have the background or we didn't have the education to make informed decisions. Because at seven figures, it's not just about, okay, because <laughs> if you think you're at that level and you think you're making decisions, if you've never attained that level or haven't had mentorship or haven't gone down that road, it's the same thing as just you know, trying to trying to swim if you've never swam before. You know, riding a bike, it's the same thing. There's still steps that have to be taken. Like you said, like there's rules that have to be attained to get there. So just because you hit it one month does not mean that you are now that person. I love how Keith Cunningham puts it in his books of like uh, he wrote The Road Less Stupid and a couple others. And he says that if you try and scale cancer, the tumor grows. Yeah. That's what a lot of people do. They go out there and they have one great month and they're like, we are ready for scale. We can do this. I've seen the light. We can attain what these other people are doing. Let's go out and do it. And then they're literally scaling the bad habits that they haven't changed their hardware. They have still all those bad habits around money, around the decisions about what they're doing. And then they're wondering, oh, shoot, I'm seven figures now. I have attained that, but I'm literally spending more than what we're making. We did that in our real estate business. We were doing 25 deals a month at our highest point, but spending 26 worth of deals out the door. And like, that is ridiculous. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we busting our butt to do so many deals and still have that much money going out the door? And mm -hmm. it's like, that's the types of things where that's why I'm so passionate about this now, because a lot of people get that syndrome of I'm arriving. <laughs> Maybe I haven't arrived, but like I've hit that goal and now I'm, I feel like I could do that all the time. And then they start making decisions they're not ready to make yet because they don't have the proper software installed, which is such a great analogy of like, we have to have certain softwares before we're to that next level of that more advanced technology, you know, of like mm -hmm. where we can go because, because the people that are doing in seven and eight figures are not smarter usually than than the people doing six figures. They just have better software that is running. Like they were there, they went out and either found the right connections or the right people or the right processes, or they failed. Maybe they're a little bit more, they're wiser and they've had more experience to say, oh my gosh, none of this worked, but this does. And I just keep doing that over and over again until, you know, I get to that level. So it's like, yeah. that's a, that's another, you know, just broad swath there of all that. But that's why I think a lot of people that get to that level and like think they're going to sustain that level. And then they don't because they don't have the proper softwares installed. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, another, another thought that I had is, you know, about in reference to this solvable problem, we get into business ideally to solve some problem in our life, right? We're trying to, a lot of us say this term financial freedom. Right. We want we want whatever that means, you know, and, and I have defined my solvable problem as not like I don't want to work anymore. It's it's like I want to get my business to a place where I like to say that I can play business as a sport the same way I go play pickup basketball. 
which means I don't have to play. I play because I want to play. When I'm in the game, I'm playing to win for sure. But when I step off the court, whether I won or lost that game has really no bearing on my mental state because I just like to play. And so when I think about like other people that I hear, they say, I want financial freedom and all this sort of stuff. It's like, okay, so um, instead of growing your business, because we all have margins in our business, right? Let's say you're operating on a 30% margin inside your real estate business and you're making, let's say $50,000 a month. And maybe you're putting $15,000 in your pocket every single month. And you need to get to, let's say $30,000 a month to live the life that you want to live. Yeah. Well, part of what occurred to me going through all this process, updating my software is that it's actually a lot easier to recapture wasted resources than it is to double your business, right? Actually just keep more of the money that you're already making. Right. How do we just do that? Cause, cause in order to keep more money, uh, it's a lot easier than having, cause you're operating at, let's say a 30% margin. So you have to sell $50,000 more right. to actually put $15,000 in your pocket. Wouldn't it be easier to just save money, increase your margins that's kind of how I looked at it. And, and what I realized was like, I was actually already at my solvable problem. I was just wasting money left and right. I was treating the money in my personal bank account, mental accounting bias, right? Trini treating this money differently than this money. I had no problem just lighting money on fire in my business. Hmm. Yeah. But like in my personal life, it was like, no, no, no. All I need is another $10,000 a month and I'm there. And it was like, well, Paul, then just stop spending $10,000 over here <laughs> right. and put it in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy how that works, right? It is crazy how that works once you once you realize that it's possible too. That's why I feel like a lot of people don't think that's possible. Like, oh man, you know, like I have to spend this money to get it back in and all this stuff, and they they just don't realize where every dollar is going. That they don't take that inventory and they don't know what what's really going out the door and what really is returning them an actual <laughs> actual dollars back into the business versus oh shoot you know like why am I spending this money again like what is it actually getting me versus what what my big overarching goal is or that solvable problem is for me. Well, and it's the curse of the quote visionary slash salesperson, right? And I'm a I'm a career salesperson. That's all I was ever, ever have been. And that's what I was put on this earth to do. Yeah. Um, and so what does the bias, what does the hardware say to a salesperson? Forget about collecting and analyzing the data. I'm just going to go sell another deal and then our problems will be solved. The answer is more, more when really what it should be is how do I get closer to the things that I want without having to chase more and more and more constantly? Yeah. And that's where like the first client, one of the very first clients I've worked with, where he was, where he told me in 2019, he did more deals than he's ever done, but lost more money than he's ever lost. Yeah. You know, tracing more deals versus the next year where he did the least amount of deals that he's ever done. Like he did five flips the next year versus trying to do two to three a month. And he said, now I have more money at the end of this year because he did, he, he, combated his hardware of being that salesperson and said, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I'm intentional with every dollar that comes into my business and put it to where I, he's like, where was this money going before? <laughs> like I have less to work with, but I have more available. Yeah. What? You know, like he, it was like to him, it was a little bit baffling and that's, then it's like, yeah, 
that's the that's the difference in just going out there and grinding and hustling and doing that versus becoming better a better yeah. business a well-rounded business owner who not only knows how to sell but also knows how to keep it and knows how to put the dollars to the best use yep so stop optimizing for more start optimizing for closer the things yeah. that you want in life yeah. however you define success no judgment but like Let's stop chasing more and let's get closer to the things that we actually want because that's a target that can be hit. More is an arbitrary, endless, infinite, you know, you're just going to be forever chasing yourself. So that's, yeah. that's sort of how I see it. And that's why I resonate so well with your message and in profit first. And um, David, let's finish by uh, leaving our listeners with your greatest lesson learned in business. It could be um, your greatest lesson you've earned recently or throughout your career, but what's something you'd like to leave the listeners with? It, we've already touched on it and danced around it and courted it. It was one of my mentors when he, when I started my business, Simple CFO said, you've got a young family. You're going to have to make those trade-offs. You know, like you don't have to make as much as you think. Like you need to spend the time with your family. Like what is important to you? Like to really sit down and think about that, which I know we've talked about a lot today, but that was probably the greatest lesson I learned. And I think about that constantly. Uh, whenever I get a speaking opportunity, that conversation runs through my head, you know, of like, should I take this? Let me go talk to my wife first. Like, let's make sure we're planning this verse before just saying yes, jumping at every opportunity. So just really get clear on that. Once you're clear on that, because sometimes that's, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard because there might be a fog around like what really is important to you. Maybe, yeah, you have a family, but you don't have to face the travel schedule or whatever, but it might be the business. It might be the different things that are going on around you. It's So that might be it is that conversation that I had that he had with me randomly because he's like, I travel a lot now, but I'm older. My kids are grown, you know, like they're, they're out of the house. So I can do this stuff. So just be intentional with your time. So that was probably one of, one of the greatest lessons I learned that's carried me through the last years here that I've had this business. That's so good. And also give yourself permission to change your mind, right? Yeah, because things are going to change. And oftentimes we get so attached to like, yeah, but I said, this is what I wanted. And it's like, well, new data has presented right? itself. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, good. cause we're, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to relive the same year over and over and over again until I die. You right. Know, it's like stuff is going to change, stuff is going to happen, and I need to be adaptable to that that environment as well too and make sure that those things are updated. Like at 6 years old, I'm not going to be, you know, like that's going to be a lot different when she's 16, even though mm -hmm. her attitude will probably be the same, but like, you know, she'll then when she's 16, it'll be different circumstances, different things going on in her life. God bless it. It'll probably be boys and stuff like that at 16 versus like the stuff that she's coming home with now and like learning to read, you know, and learning to do the stuff that she's doing now. So it's, yeah, that's very true. Give yourself permission to change. What an awesome conversation, David. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, if people want to get to know a little bit more about Simple CFO, Profit First, um, what's the best way to get a hold of you and what's the best way to find more information on that? Yeah. SimpleCFO.com. That is the one-stop shop, so make it as simple as possible. So simplecfo.com, that's where we have the link to the book and a link to all of our stuff, podcast, and we also have the um, the link to schedule a call with our team if you're interested in what we're doing, uh, implementing the Profit First system. Then the other thing 
is the Facebook, you know, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, you know, I'm posting on there and stuff. If you just want more info on profit first, or, you know, just seeing what all is going on in that side and wanting to learn more about keeping more of the money you're making. So there you go. Well, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, for everyone who's listening, lastly, we encourage you to adopt the investor frame. So knowing what you know now and the conversation that David and I just had, what changes do you need to make to your software, to your life, to your businesses, so that you can get closer to the things that you want without chasing more and more? Thank you, David. It's been such a pleasure. For everybody else, we'll see you guys on the next episode.